all right welcome back to the black techies podcast where black culture meets the world of technology i'm your host david aka packet stiller follow me on twitter at packet stiller i am joined uh first by the black tony stark himself herb seward yes and, sir uh in fact i'll have two more guests on but i think i'll let them introduce themselves i, I will start uh with ladies first i'll start with dr christy hi everybody <laughs> um my name is christy walker i um let's see what would you like to know about me oh I... wow. really we're gonna start that way <laughs> really yeah <laughs> I'm a HBCU band head, so that's probably the reason why I'm on this podcast today. Um, for 20 years, I operated a website on HBCU bands called The Fifth Quarter, um, and so that's probably why I'm on here today, but it's good to be here. All right, all right. Thanks for coming on. And I, I as a side note, uh, I think all of us were on the fifth quarter. So yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for yeah. creating that wonderful outlet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely a, helped me to kind of connect with others. Yeah, the 5Q is, is bigger than anybody knows, man. It's, I, I mean, honestly, it's a piece of it's a piece of HBCU history, in my opinion. And it's Seriously. also tech related, considering you know what we're talking about. So I, we might have to come back, come back around to that. So you know, we'll we'll you know strike a pen in that. Uh, but we're gonna move on to uh, Mr. Kerry Gilliard. Hey, uh, first of all, thank you all for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, Kerry Gilliard, director of band and orchestra over at Duval High School, also a published composer, uh, doing a whole bunch of other things. I got called up to do some more stuff recently and help out with some things here and there, do some conferences and things, and always finding a way to integrate technology into music in some way, shape, form, or fashion. All right, all right. Thank you all for being here. So as you heard him say, we're, today's episode is going to be about technology and music, and I figured it would uh, be best to get people on here who are closely related to that uh, to that aspect, uh, we were hoping to get some other people on, but unfortunately, unfortunately, they weren't able to make it. So we might have to do a part two because I'm really interested in hearing their their perspective on this. But uh, that's neither here nor there. We'll still 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 keep going on. So um, I guess I'll just jump right into it. When it comes to like music and technology, uh, like what do you what what do you think of when 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 you when you hear? Is it is it more so? on the commercial side or uh do you think it's i don't know so i i'll start with uh i'll start with our guest first with uh with with carrie what, what do you think of when it comes to technology and music or i guess maybe what do you think of i don't know yeah what do you think about it <laughs> well um definitely the commercial side even though i'm an educator the commercial side is the first thing that usually um, comes to mind looking at a lot of what's going on music industry wise right now um me and my brother-in-law were talking about this recently how the decline of the studio um, of the session musician um once 83 84 rolled around and everybody could start digitizing everything you started seeing and hearing, especially in the early 80s, but even more so now, you started hearing more and more music that was electronic or electronically produced and less and less live musicians. Thus, by the time you hit the 90s, you see a lot more um, 
performances that were going on that were electronic backing track and no live band, no live musicians. So the first thing that immediately comes to mind is the electronic is the uh, commercial side of everything. Um, over on the education side, a lot of things that we used to do by hand, writing out arrangements, writing out actual printed music, it's, uh, writing out music itself before you had to take it to an engraver for them to set up the entire thing on big printing plates and then make copies of the music. A lot of that stuff now gets handled in one place with a good piece of electronic software. Um, we've got Finale, we've got Sibelius, we've got Dorico, we've got MuseScore. Um, a bunch of these things just are great tools for music notation and you can produce printed music off of it. Pretty much if you have a printer at home, you can be your own publishing company. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ashley, I think that, that kind of brings up a really good point. Um, as, as far as, like, the, almost say, yeah, I guess the decline of, like, live bands and music. You know, that's actually one thing I really liked about Bruno Mars when he came on the scene is that he seemed like he was bringing back that, like, that, that live band voice that you didn't really hear before, uh, at least, you know, with, with the newer artists that were coming up. And so, like, uh, so Herb, I kind of want to get your perspective on that too. Like, what do you think about as far as the the decline of, um, or the rise of more? I guess the rise of technology and maybe the decline of live bands. Um, although I know Carrie did kind of mention the benefits of technology as far as finale and being able to, you know, write music. Uh, but I, I kind of want to get your perspective as well because I, I know you've you, you've uh, also been in that. Wow, it's a good question. Um, I think technology, um, speaking from that perspective, uh, well, first, from a commercial perspective, you know, technology has transformed the music industry in so many different ways, from marketing to actual music production to, you know, how people even perceive or interpret music. You know, it's a, you know, it's a really big thing, I think, also, you know, within the context of of our circle as HBCU folk, you know, particularly for you know for those of us on the panel, which is all of us that are bandheads, um, I mean, tech, you know, technology platforms just changed the game completely. From you know to the visibility of music and band programs that participate in it to um, really, you know, just how how efficient now, you know, arranging and producing music, you know, has pretty much become. Um, it's not like it was, uh, you know, even, you know, five or ten years ago. And that is a direct testament to, you know, how technology is, you know, rapidly changing, you know, how we perceive things. So, you know, I think Carrie had a really good point in terms of, you know, his direct interaction with music and technology because, you know, I mean, ultimately technology is a tool just like anything else. And, you know, the music industry, you know, folks that have been associated with music on, you know, in, in different ways, you know, technology has just not just made that job easier, but it's just transformed it. So um, that's kind of you know, where I'm starting from. And that's kind of what I get, what I gather from it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Andy, um, 
before we uh, I move on to my next question, did you want to add anything, Christy? Well, it, you know, just hearing Herb, um, how he was answering and going through life, how technology has changed um, in in the music world, it just makes me think about like how technology has changed over you know, the past 20, 25 years where it comes to HBCU bands. And, you know, I just remember when I um, first started doing the fifth quarter in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, I remember having to go, I had a handheld camcorder and having to go to games. Um, I would record the, the games on my camcorder, bring it back to somebody's house who had like super fast Wi-Fi get on um was it real player <laughs> oh my god real and convert and and upload the and i, I you know I, it's funny because i forgot how to do that stuff now but like i had to you know upload the the video the music well first it was audio files um i would convert that to like real player files and then you know through the years it became video files that i would have to upload you know from my camcorder then smartphones came to play so then you know it was to the point where people were able to record things on their phone and upload them um and it, it, it's funny because you know when youtube really hit the scene that 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 pretty yeah. much changed the game as far as hbcu yeah. bands and, and technology yeah. i didn't have to be at a thousand places at once like you know you could be at your game in Texas. I could be at my game in North Carolina, like you know, and we'd be able to to see who did what. And um, a lot of times, it takes the surprise out of a lot of things. But I'm sure that's another question for another day. But um, <laughs> it, it's funny to see, you know, how technology. No I mean, even even like with Periscope, like when Periscope came on the on the on the scene, and then like the live streaming. Now you've got all these all these media folks that, you know, you've got whole media teams that, you know, curate and, you know, record clips and curate them and get them out there. I mean, it's it's just changed so much in the past 20 years. So um, yeah. I don't know if that really answered your question, but I mean, it really made me think what Herb was talking about, um, how technology has changed through the years. It just made me think about those things. Yeah, it's really crazy, man, because... I mean, look at, I mean, just within the, you know, just kind of the specific scope of HPCUs and marching bands and stuff that we're fans of. I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at recruitment videos and, I mean, YouTube is, is one big giant recruiting video for every HBCU program out there, essentially. And, I mean, you can, I mean, it's a repository, it's a library now. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a library um, where where a student can can go and and can go and just do their own research, conceive bands. I mean, going back twenty, twenty five years, thirty years, um, and see how you know see traditions and how programs have progressed. And you know, I mean, it's really one of those things where technology has not only transformed how we perceive that particular aspect of the culture, but it's become a tool to really show the culture that aspect of it in, in the best possible light. You know, and it's, you know, I, you know, things like the Honda Battle of the Bands. I remember when, you know, when I was back in school 
and we had talk of our first, you know, first really major battle of the bands in 1993. And this was like the Superdome. It's like seven bands. It was like, you know, Alabama State, Tennessee State, Southern, um, all the heavy hitters, all the blue bloods. So A&T was at that one too. The yeah. New, the one that was supposed yeah. to be New Orleans. Exactly. Oh, and, yeah. and, and, you know, the advertising, advertisement and marketing for it was practically word of, word of mouth. And now, you know, advertising something is as simple as a click of a button, quite literally. You know, you're talking about the Honda Battle of the Bands, uh, going on a website and and voting for, you know, for who's going to show up. And, and just that sort of accessibility is the difference between, you know, where we were and where we are now, because everything is instantaneous, it's instantaneous access. Um, and that in that vein, it's very good, but it's, you know, it's forcing people to really think, of, you know, think of music in that construct a different way, because, you know, it's instant gratification now. And if you don't have access to it, then it's a problem from not just the access to music standpoint, but from, you know, a visibility and a marketing standpoint for however you apply it. So that's something that's really, really big. Let me uh, kind of jump in. And Ashley, you all are really getting into something I really wanted to talk about. So I'm glad you started talking about it. Uh, and that's actually the, the effect of the internet on, on like, on like HBCU band programs and or just marching bands in general and, and how you all just said that you know you can you know back in the day you know when you went to a battle of the bands or you went to a, a you know a football game when you saw that halftime show like that was the first time you might you might have seen it you had that wow factor but now you can just go on YouTube and look at it and it might be it might have been the same or a similar show that the band did before but you know you've already seen it so there's no wow factor anymore so it kind of takes the mystique out of like of like you know the band so and I so I kind of want to get Carrie's perspective actually because he, out of all of us he's an actual band director so uh, he I, he I, I, I think he actually has a <laughs> a, uh, uh, a really good handle on this so I kind of want to get your perspective on this so d- has the internet kind of hurt your ability to really put a I want to say a, a a wow factor into your shows or it hasn't enhanced it? I don't know. Well, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. From an educator's perspective, whoo-wee. The internet has made us have to work, has made us all have to work a lot harder at what we do. Um, you made the exact right point there, which was, you know, you used to go to a game and that was your first time seeing that show unless you had a friend that was you had a friend with a cam that owned a camcorder that went and stood off in the bleachers somewhere and recorded the school and then brought the tape back and showed it to you early, which was very, very, very few and far in between. We've all seen stories and heard stories of people doing that back in the day for other people's bands um, where they, you know, um, since I'm in the CIAA where somebody from, Johnson C. Smith would show up three weeks before we play them at a Winston-Salem game with a video camera and they record their whole show and everything from the stands and then they go back and take it back to Johnson C. Smith and three weeks later when Johnson C. Smith takes the field for the first time they do a portion of 
something that was going to be part that was either part of Winston Salem's old show or something else along those lines. But nowadays, no, everything is instantaneous. Um, everybody records. There are people who are uploading halftime shows literally within fully edited halftime shows with multiple camera views within five minutes of the show actually being done while the rest of the band is still getting back in the stands. People got their media teams with a full cart of multiple computers and everything sitting right on the sidelines uploading the video immediately and merging all of it and everything else. So, yeah, it has made our jobs more difficult. Um, back in the day, you used to have, if you, on average, you have 10 home games. I mean, on average, you have 10 games during the season or 12 games during the season. Occasionally, you'd have you'd have somewhere in the neighborhood of about four or five shows if you weren't traveling to every away game. And for those away games that you had, one of your shows would end up being your away show. So every school you went to, that was your away show, and that was the show that you did there. You can't do that anymore. You now have to literally change up the show every week because people are expecting something new. The general populace is expecting something new because that show that you just did this week, you can get away. You may be able to get away with redoing that show two weeks from now, depending on where you're going to. But pretty much repeating a show or repeating even parts of a show might be taboo now. So it's made our job more difficult. It's made directors have to think and be a lot more creative in what we do and how we even approach the entire um, the entire task of. I'm going to use the word programming, of programming the students in front of us to execute the things that we want them to do in the fashion that we want them to do it in. We didn't have to have as much material in the past, which is why some of the HBCU bands you see from previous generations were a little bit more crisp because they had more time to work on, they had more time and they had less material that they necessarily had to work with, or work on, I should say. Nowadays, nah, everybody wants to have 75, 80, 95, 105 songs inside of the book. They want to have five drills immediately ready coming out of camp. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not that's so pretty much. much. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry, Karen. Go ahead. No, no go ahead, Herb. I'm, I'm, uh, go ahead. I mean, honestly, man, I think, and this is in my, you know, my assessment, you know, not just from a technology perspective, but, you know, having the opportunity to write and observe, you know, the progression of us, you know, um, you know, just as a writer and as a fan, um, you know, I think that honestly, that pressure to be able to you know, be more creative as needed. And it's it's forcing now um, band directors and, and folks that are tasked with those creative, you know, responsibilities to really step the game up as it pertains to the craft. You know, and it, it's just, it's one of those things, in my opinion, yeah, you know, on, on one end, is, you know, you, it, it's made, direct, you know, the job of directors a lot harder. But in the same vein, you know, you're supposed to have that pressure to innovate and have that pressure to be creative because at the end of the day, it's about your audiences, giving your audience the best shows you could possibly give them. 
So, you know, in in that aspect, I think the advent of technology in terms of really um, opening up exposure uh, for everybody to those processes and and shows and you know it, it it's a positive thing in my opinion because you know you can't sleep anymore you can't rest on your laurels you can't do you know what bands used to do you know have a fire show in the first week and then um, two or three hit and you still got the same drill you still got the same one same aspect of the show that you haven't changed you just can't go and change one single aspect of the show you know folks were like yeah you did that in week two you know um, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> so, I mean, and and I think also it, it forces band directors to really pay attention to detail in terms of their systems and their creativity and and how things look visually. Um, Honda is a good example. You know, this year at Honda, if you look at the bands, and I'll be quite frank, there wasn't a bad show. You know, there were some shows that were very, um, as Carrie might put it, pedestrian. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were talking Fish about <laughs> Fish oh, no. as Watching best. water evaporate. <laughs> but, Fish sandwichy Yeah. But, but, from a fun, yeah <laughs> but from a fundamental standpoint, you know, just about all of those shows were, you know, were good. But, you know... And you have to say Honda Battle of the Bands, just in case people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry for, for the non-HBC laymans mm-hmm. out there. The Honda Battle of the Bands is uh, a gathering. It's like Bandhead Freak Meek, if you're not really you know familiar with it. Bandcella. Yeah, Bandcella. Yeah, that's, that's probably more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about yeah, Freak Meek. Oh, yeah, Freak <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, PG, the PG version of Bandhead Freak Meek. I right. mean, or the G version, my bad. We got kids that are listening to the show. So, but, um, but yeah, all jokes aside, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, everything is, everything is more granular. Everything is more... Um, scrutinized and magnified so attention to detail is important and that's the impact that technology has had um, on that aspect of our craft Um, and I think just from a broader perspective um, of music in general I think that's the same type of effect it's one of those things where you know whether you're a music producer you know for an R&B group or if you're composing a piece of music or if you're applying those same concepts to, you know, a marching band or designing a drill or, you know, doing something of that nature, um, technology has become a really integral part of that process. And that's something that um, that's not going away anytime soon. So I wonder if you can talk about, I, <laughs> I know it kind of seems somewhat, somewhat, uh, negative or whatever but i wonder if you can kind of talk about some of the more positive aspects of you know the youtube generation so i, I know all of you are very familiar with uh doctor not mr doctor uh thomas jones who is currently the uh head band director at hampton university um he was he also used to be the head band director at north carolina and t state university and uh he he, he was a 
percent not head. Just letting you know. Really? I could have sworn he was the head. Okay, sorry about that. You tripping? I know. Tripping. I know. <laughs> I am. But uh. Hey, look. Hey, hold up. No. <laughs> Wait a minute. You were Aggie too, um, um, David. I am, but I didn't march. <laughs> but you know, I'm an aristocrat yeah. as far as the band, so I I always claim aristocrat. Mm-hmm. AOB hashtag AOB nation. But, <laughs> but um, but what one of the one of the things I noticed about both of the band programs is that is how he utilized the media team, and I think um, either Carrie or or Herb actually alluded to it. Uh, no, it was Carrie. Where uh, you know you you said that they had, you know, the whole media team, you know, just ready to upload <laughs> right right when the uh, the the halftime show was done. But if you look at those, you know, those edited halftime shows, you know, they're very slickly produced, and they really put the band in a, in a very good light. And you know, they all they all they also sound sound great. And I wonder if because of those efforts, it's actually boosted the recruitment to you know to his uh, respective band programs and and not even just uh them uh southern has done a really good job as far as like media and brand branding like that's what i'm trying to look for branding and so it seems like you know a few band pro- programs have realized that the internet can be used uh, for branding purposes and to kind of you know create this mystique or create this uh face of the university it's like hey if you if you know if you march in our program, this is the kind of stuff that you'll do. And so I wonder, you know, I kind of want to get you all's perspective of, you know, using the internet for recruitment purposes or or using it as a way to kind of create this branding for the band program itself. Okay, so who wants to start? <laughs> oh, can I can I go? Yeah, can yeah, go? yeah. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna think about how I'm gonna approach this. So I do think that there are a couple of programs that have really made strides. Like they're kind of like the the pace setters when it comes to HBCU band media. Um, I will definitely say that Southern University is one of them. Um, A&T is one of them. And I'm not just saying that because it's my alma mater, but um, those are the two that instantly come to my mind when I talk about, when I think about, um, well, they were some of the first to have media teams and, you know, curated clips and branding where they have like the logo before they um, before the band plays. And, you know, they were they were some of the first ones that I remember having. Also, Norfolk State. I, I mentioned Norfolk State, too. That's another one. Um, and so, you know, I think. Now, I guess my question to you, David, was, or were you asking if, like, what Thomas does, it, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to understand what you were asking, like. I guess I'm just trying to say, is that, uh, do you all see the positive in them making those, uh, you know, very slickly produced halftime shows or videos of their halftime shows in order to push the branding of the school and to, and to boost recruitment? Because I think they've, they've done a re- really good job of doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't personally see it as a bad yeah. thing. So I just kind of want to see your, you know, you all's perspective on that. Well, I don't think that it's, it's all good or, or it's all bad. I think it's, you know, it's got its positives and negatives. Like the positives are um, branding, you know, it, it, it gives potential marchers, high school students, um, 
something good to look at, something to look forward to. Um, it's good as far as recruitment is concerned. Um, the negative thing can be that, you know, sometimes some of the clips are a little too polished. And I, I kind of miss the day where, you know, footage was a little bit more raw. It's like you, you know, it's just like a little bit more polished. You got to see the bands, you know, make make different mistakes and things like that um, that may not have been, you know, such such a bad thing. So, I mean, there are pluses and minuses to it. I mean, I think nowadays with, with these students that are coming up in the 2020s and 2010s, you know, they they are used to seeing polished products and so I think it goes right along with that like you don't it, it, it's to the point now that if a band doesn't have a media team and I'm talking about like on the college level like if an HBCU band doesn't have a media team you kind of look at them sideways like oh what's going on like why are you behind the curve like what, what's going on with that I mean I, I don't want to speak for Herb and Carrie about that but you know, that that's how I feel when I see it. So, um, Carrie, did you uh, have any thoughts about that? I would definitely say that presentation is perception. So if you present, and that's part of the reason, just going back, even going back and using the dot com era of uh, 97 to 2000 mm -hmm. where people presented themselves on the internet as multimedia market as multi-million dollar market uh, web design companies and everything and web web-based companies that were ended up being valued in the millions and then you found out it was a guy running a website from his basement perception <laughs> ends up being um, presentation ends up being uh, presentation ends up being perception so people have a higher opinion about some of these schools because of the way that they presented themselves um, thanks to their media teams their media teams put out a polished product it makes the school look good recruits more people to the school it even recruits people to the school that aren't even in band they just go because they want to be part of the atmosphere and the ambiance of what happens at that school um, so I definitely say there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pluses there. Um, on the negative side, when you occasionally get people who go out and find the mistakes, the mistakes of those groups can be amplified even that much more. Um, Christy, that's a good point. Yeah, Christy yeah. definitely made a, an excellent point where some of the younger folks that are coming up right now, and I teach high school, so I see it directly. If your mm -hmm. school doesn't have a media team, and they are kind of, I mean, and the only video, of, the majority of video of you up online is somebody recorded it with their phone and uploaded it. Um, they kind of look at you like, okay, well, they're a little bit behind the curve, but man, did you catch that Jackson State video the other day? Did you see the video of the blah, 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 blah? Yeah. Um, kids are more drawn to that, and they have a tendency to walk in that direction. So it yeah. definitely helps. I yeah, I think um, yeah, I'm. I think I'm gonna approach this from a, from a little bit broader perspective as it pertains to our visibility, not just as band programs and within HBCU culture, but the HBCU culture in general. Um, mm -hmm. I think the fact that you know you see you know Southern University or or Tennessee State or North Carolina Antique 
have these really polished products, um, not just of band performances, but they're more representations of the culture. And that, um, in my opinion, is huge because, you know, for all of us that attended or matriculated HBCUs, perception is everything. And I mean, perception in, in a lot of cases, for particularly for schools that are smaller footprint or schools that um, may not necessarily have the visibility of state land grants or, or any of the more popular private HBCUs, you know, that sort of visibility for your institution can mean the difference between um, attendance rates that are really, really not great or, you know, just being on the upswing as a school. And one thing that I've, you know, not just, you know, following it from a technology perspective, but actually being able to observe and write about is that, you know, the advent of, you know, social media platforms like YouTube or Twitter, um, you know, the communication, you know, uh, advance that has really, um, that has really, you know, taken over how we perceive everything, you know, it has the potential to really be a great tool for HBCUs in general, not necessarily just band programs. Like if I'm, you know, if I go, let's say, go to the Southern Heritage Classic, you know, um, and you know, I've got, you know, a, an eight or 10 year old or 15 year old with me that has never ever been exposed to HBCU culture before and he's doing his own recon and he, you know, turns on a classic, whether it's the Southern Heritage Classic or the Magic City Classic or or a Battle of the Bands and they see the camaraderie and they see the atmosphere that's being really portrayed in a very granular fashion. You know, that's the best recruiting tool that you could possibly have. Not just for a band program, but mm-hmm. for somebody that is trying to discern whether or not they want to matriculate at HBCU, and I mean, for, I mean, I look at A and T. That this this is not just bands, but you look at A and T. Um, you look at their media teams for, um, you know, for a football team, for example, for their basketball and athletics. A um, and T is ahead of the curve in comparison to a lot of schools, and you know, we're not just talking about HBCUs either. You know, we're talking about. Uh, institutions that don't necessarily need that publicity, but they just do it as a matter of regular circumstance. So I think, you know, it, that's a very, it's a very valid observation. Um, there are definitely a lot more positives to it in terms of where it can go as opposed to negatives. From the craft aspect of it, yeah, you're under a microscope. <laughs> and, you know, if you're not if you're not on your P's and Q's in terms of how you present your things or, you, you know, your attention to detail is off, it's going to show up. And it's going to show up in a way that's not positive for your program. Um, I mean, uh, one good example comes to mind is um, our friend Julian Bonds, who is at, uh, you know, who's at Talladega. Lord, why'd you have to go there? <laughs> I, I mean, that's the first. That's the first example that popped in, the, in my mind, and I and I say that because it's two sides of the same coin. 
Okay, so you gotta get, you gotta get the people up to speed. Well, let me let, let me let me try to get the people up to speed because you know you can't assume that people know. So yeah, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Bonds is the band director at Talladega College, Talladega in Alabama. They do not have a football team, but I will say, let's see, maybe seven years ago, they got. Um, a marching band program established on their campus. And when I noticed that they started to like blow up, well, when they, when they popped up on my radar was about this time, I'll say like, I don't know how many years, see the years start melting together for me, but it was around Mardi Gras. So it's like Mardi Gras season now. So um, they, to me, they made their huge debut when during the Mardi Gras parade, um, Southern University and Taldega had finished doing a parade and they faced off yeah, each other. That was bloody at the yeah, parade. Blood, yeah, bloody Sunday. Yeah, bloody the, Sunday, the, known as bloody Sunday. Viral. Actually, yeah, it's viral. tomorrow bloody Oh, tomorrow is bloody Sunday. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well anyway, that just that just occurred <laughs> to me. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, but that's when I that's when I I realized I was like, Oh, and so they, they you know, they came up on Southern and they were cranking on them and Nobody was expecting that because, like, really, nobody had really heard of Taldega or knew that they had a program. Unless you were, I guess if you lived in Alabama, you might know. But, like, the general consensus, people didn't know. Um, and <laughs> Bonds has this really good way. He's a good, he, he reminds me of, like, he's like the Don King of band. Like, <laughs> you know, he's, he's the hype man. He... Uh, he he just really uses media to his advantage, and sometimes Hashtag it can be the accuracy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he, he, um, For real, man. He it, it's not all good all the time, cause there was one time when he dressed up like Osama bin Laden. And oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it was that before. Was, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Bruh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that please, please a, don't that, die on that us. That was special, but. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. My point is, is that he, he, he really. I, I may not agree with everything he does, but he does a good job with being like, like a manipulator of media to his advantage. I'll put it like that. So I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't want us to get off on a tangent, but I wanted the people to know, like, if they didn't follow bands, what, what, what was going on? Because yeah. So, her? Yeah. Her, what were you talking uh, about? Mean, <laughs> whew, okay. Well, I'll just. Yeah. We all yeah, needed a minute yeah, after yeah. that. I, I just say, some, some I'll just say, I, I mean, the reason why Julian kind of popped in my head and in the whole. Um, and, you know, and his use of technology and social media to advertise Talladega's program is because it's kind of. It's been both a positive and a negative for for that program and for that institution. Now, bloody yeah, you know, Christie's correct because I think uh, bloody Sunday, the bloody Sunday we were talking about, I think it was like two two or three years back, where that you know that face off at Mardi Gras, um, really. Oh wait a minute! I yeah. think it's next week. I think it's next week because it's the two. It's the Sunday before yeah. Mardi Gras. I think Mardi Gras is like the twenty third. Right. Okay, and um. I think, you know, talent, I mean, from that perspective, Talladega really got on the map. 
um, you know, because they were going toe to toe with Southern in that capacity. And, you know, I mean, the New Orleans crowd, when it comes to that, you know, just from a musical perspective, they're very discerning. And they were like, well, yeah, Southern kind of got the business in that in that particular instance. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you fast forward two or three years and now people are looking at Talladega in a a lot of different ways. Um, You know, part of it has to do with, you know, you know, them getting notoriety for the inauguration. Part of it has to do with some of the performances that they've had between then and now. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that we could go into a bandhead podcast about (laughs) and really talk about, but, Mm -mm. you know, that would kind of, that would take at least a week to talk about, (laughs) but, um, Mm. but from, you know, from that perspective in terms of the visibility that the school's gotten, you know, it's been more positive than negative, but. In the same vein, you know, certain instances, particularly with inauguration, they did inauguration. Um, that was just a that was just a dumpster fire in terms of um, in terms of vis- you know both negative and um, and I, I don't want to say negative from the perspective that they chose to perform there. You know, that was, that was their choice to do, but. I think Julian made that assessment, and I'm not speaking to his to his thought processes there. But I think the main the main gist of where he was going with by accepting that invita- invite was that all publicity, you know, is good publicity for his program and for the school. And I think, um, in a very real sense, we're still seeing whether that's right or not, because I think a lot of times. When we look at Talladega now, as opposed to then, you know, when we looked at Talladega then, you know, <clears throat> from that from that one viral clip, you know, uh, they were like, well, wow, they, you know, they did all of this and they put all this together from not having nothing. They remind me of a of a of a baby UDC back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of stuff. But see, now at first look- when they the scene though, at fr- when they first came on the scene, it was a surprise. Yeah, and then you had that surprise element. But then, as the as the program progressed, and more people got to see, you know, images of them and listen to them, it it, it was apparent that like, you know, they have their yeah. flaws just like everybody else. And now yeah. that you know their clips are out there, they're they they've gotten exposed several times. Yeah, um, and I, and I think that is you know that's a perfect example of how. Um, you know, the technology being employed can be a double-edged sword in terms of perception. <clears throat> because, you know, I think one thing that I will say in terms of Thomas, um, Thomas's, uh, you know, taking over, you know, Hampton University program and, and the real progression that those guys have had is that he's been very, very strategic in terms of how, you know, he shows his program, how he shows you know, the people within the program. And A&T's done the same thing. Like, you, you know, I, I've seen A&T shows where you've got little featurettes about individual people in the program that are, you know, really a, a big cross-section of what HBCU life is about. You know, you've got people that are engineers. you got people that are communications majors. you got people that are biology majors that are in the program, and they represent 
the biggest, the best, and the brightest cross-section that HBCU students have to offer on pretty much any campus. So, you know, in that sense, those sorts of, those sorts of utilizations of technology are really positive. You know, it, they really work. And right. um, it's one of those things where, yeah, yeah, you, you can have some of those instances where you have a little bit more, you know, you have a little bit of overexposure. But, you know, in most cases, it's not. It's, um, it's something that's really positive. Let me uh, kind of, because uh, I want to kind of somewhat wrap up. But there's one more thing I wanted to discuss before before we wrapped up. And I think uh, Christy is uniquely, as maybe all of us, but it's Christy, Christy especially is uniquely qualified for this one. So I want to talk about the the impact of social media in particular on music um, and, you know, HBCU bands in general. Uh, so, you know, back in the day, before <laughs> Twitter, before Facebook, before any of that, there were forums where, <laughs> and, <laughs> ranks, right, and one set's form, which of course was called the fifth quarter, and so it was one that was created, uh, for the purpose of protecting, uh, protecting our history. history. And preserving the craft. craft. That's right. So yes, yes, yes. So I, I kind of want to get everyone's perspective, really, because we were all on the fifth quarter. But like the just the effect of social media on how, uh, just the dis- the discourse around bands, around music, around all of that, just kind of changed. You know, as we as the whole Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you know, generation just kind of came and kind of shifted from the original social media, which was forums. Uh, so yeah, I can So I'm, I'm going to start with Christy, then I'll go to Carrie, then I'll go to her, and then I'll finish up. So go ahead. Okay. So, wow, this is a really big question, and um, you know, it's hard to like, you know, because I have this background. It's 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 over twenty years of seeing this evolve well actually we all do because I mean I've known y'all forever everybody on the line I've known y'all and I know you through my website um so it's hard to kind of like you know sum this up but um how do I think things have changed I do know that when forums were the thing um I do feel like there was this there's this sense of family that occurred when we you know had the forums because you know we were I felt like when people posted on forums they weren't posting just in the air they were posting in an area where people like-minded people gathered but if you think about it now with Twitter when you tweet something you're tweeting it really in the air and anybody can respond to it um, and so there are people that don't know anything about the craft, like they're, you know, they're not necessarily like-minded people that feel like they can put in their two cent and comment. I, I just, I just think, you know, our sub, the subculture of HBC bands, we were a closer unit when we had those forms. Now, I mean, I believe in evolution. I don't think everything should stay stagnant forever. So I'm fine with with evolution and things like that. But, you know, it does come at a cost. And 
you know, they're the group of us that I think are tight after 20 years. I mean, I mean, who am I to say that like Facebook groups, like for example, the HBCU band uncut group, that's a big HBCU band group. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure they're, they're close and they do their things, but I just, I don't know. I, I feel like the sense of intimacy kind of left when people started migrating from message boards to like Twitter and, you know, uh, Instagram and, and those kinds of things. Uh, I'm just glad that I came up in the air that I did. <laughs> and I'll just be that old auntie talking about, you know, back in my day when we did such and such and such. And, I, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with not trying to chase every, you know, I'm fine. I'll stay in my lane. Like, I don't have to chase every new trend that's out there with, with, social media and trying to keep up like I, I'll just I'll just stay in my lane I'm, I'm fine with that because you know it was getting to a point when you know like I couldn't be every place at once and you know it just it's just tiring and I just can't I I just decided that I wasn't going to do that I was just going to kind of like stay in my lane so that's that's what I decided to do but I don't know if that really answers your question but um I, I mean I I appreciate the evolution but um, there are some things that, you know, it, some things that that were that are missing because of the evolution. Anything to add on to that, Carrie? <sighs> um, uh, is this a big question? It really is. It is. And, and, um, and, and yeah. I told uh, I told uh, the some of the members that weren't going to that couldn't make it for this one that we might have to have a part two for this because there's a lot that's. Um, that's to talk about especially with this topic but so we, we might have to expand this more on on a on another episode but i guess because uh like you said because of that evolution from like forum based communication to now is you know facebook and twitter where uh, i don't know it messages seem a little bit more ephemeral they're not as like concrete as it seemed like a forum post is and so I mean, I don't know, because like, if, you know, if you're on Facebook and there's a really popular post that everyone's commenting on, you, you might look at it, you're scrolling down and you and you see you see that it's what, like 50 messages or 50 comments. You're like, I don't feel like scrolling through all this and you just keep going. But like in a forum post, as you're scrolling, you, you see all of the comments in order. And so it's kind of easier to follow and you can kind of get immersed into it without feeling like without feeling overwhelmed i guess i don't know uh mm -hmm. but uh i mean that aside i guess i also kind of wanted to see was there do you think there's a difference in how we how we know or experience i guess we can just i mean it's about hbcu band so i guess we can st st uh, stick with that if there if there weren't a fifth quarter and we st but we still had you know Facebook and Twitter, do you think that there would be as much knowledge about HBCU bands as there are now? Wow. Let me let, let, let me take in on that real quick. Ooh. I would definitely say that Oh, that's deep. <laughs> the fifth quarter set the the fifth quarter set the groundwork for pretty much everything else HBCU band wise that's going on today. Um 
even folks from the uncut group, a bunch of them used to be in fifth quarter and they started up or they were influenced by people who used to be in the fifth quarter in the fifth quarter's latter days. Um, I have told the story before, but if it partially was not for the fifth quarter, I wouldn't have went back to school and finished up my degree and be a band director right now. So thank you, Christy, for starting the site. Thank you and thank Mike Lee. Thank you all for starting the site. Um, <laughs> the other part of that is Morgan State University. One day I just happened to hear their homecoming being broadcast over the radio, and I sat there during my little hiatus from Bowie State University and said, I miss band. And that was the whole thing that went back. Um, <laughs> but the fifth quarter, um, the fifth quarter just ended up being the groundwork for a whole bunch because for a whole bunch of things HBCU related now. Because if it wasn't for the fifth quarter, you wouldn't have had, you wouldn't have had. Uh, good grief, Lameek. <laughs> I was oh, trying yeah. to think of his Lameek, name. Yeah. You wouldn't have had Lameek. Malik, yeah, I know it's it's Malik, but you wouldn't have had him in his videos. You wouldn't have had Tape Master with his videos. He made some money off of that too for a little while because he was dubbing tapes and sending them out to everybody. Um, Oh yeah, (laughs) all of these folks were on the fifth quarter, and they took ideas and things that were in germ form on the fifth quarter and kind of went out and became a little bit bigger with them. Uh, David with Bandtube HD. And not just him, but all of the other imitators of Band 2 HD that have come out afterward, and some of the ones that were beforehand. Some of the other forums that came out, like Showtime Mag, um, Swack's, um, the Swack Board, a whole bunch of these other places that ended up pretty much becoming imitators of what, ha- of what started on the fifth quarter. Um, it was huge. Um, I hope we don't get any hate mail because of that. <laughs> some of these things would have been... Eh, some of these some of these things would have been uh, some of these things would have found their way out eventually Um, they would have they would have come out and come together eventually but the fifth provided a perfect breeding ground development ground area of growth for all of that stuff to come together the way it is Um, some of the ways that we interact on Facebook now are a lot less impersonal than how things used to be while we were on the fifth um, the fifth, it felt like family, and you had people either nationally, quote unquote, having a the NLBH cruise, which I wish I was able to make back then, but I was busy with work the early end of my career. Um, but I even had a little NLBH uh, for those who don't know, that's called Night of the Living Bandheads, where yeah, we would all where we would all get together bring video of your favorite band already queued up on the VHS tape so that you wouldn't have to... See, we can't... I'm, yeah, we can't even do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, you can't you can't go on a, on, a, on a band trip and watch tapes anymore. Nobody, First of all, nobody's trying to see it because, you know, and then they can pull it up on their phone. But anyway, Right, I mean, that, that, yeah, that, little, that little social aspect of it has been killed right there because a lot of times yep. when that stuff used to happen, it gave people an opportunity to just kind of sit hang out, talk. You got to know people from other schools and everything. A lot of lifelong good friendships were developed as a result of that. And that practice became, it just became something good. I still remember when I invited, I had about a good (laughs) I had about a good 35 or 40 people squished into my apartment. Um, I had friends 
um, like our friend, our mutual friend for all of us, Daryl Spires. Daryl brought some food over to my apartment. Daryl drove up, had some food brought it to my apartment. Our friend Darnita, hashtag free post Darnita. Um, <laughs> Darnita was working as a manager of Pizza Hut. She brought pizza up. A whole rack of folks just showed up at my apartment, and we had about, like I said, we had about a good 30, 40 people in there. This was like 2004, 2005. So just good things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think um, I th- I mean I'll be I'll be the first to say that um, just from from a trailblazing perspective, you know, the fifth quarter. I mean, I'll be I'll be frank. The you know the development of our subculture from from a very organic standpoint doesn't happen without you know the advent of ranks in the fifth quarter. It just doesn't. Yeah. It develops, but it won't. De- it wouldn't have developed in as organic or as, you know, as natural a way uh, as it did, you know, when those forums existed and people were able to interact with, you know, with other like-minded people from other conferences, from other walks of life. I mean, just speaking from my own personal experience, you know, the fifth quarter kept me connected to HBCU culture while I was in the military deployed, you know, halfway across the globe. That's when I became associated with the ranks in the fifth quarter. I was, I remember, you know, being uh, in the radio, in, you know, IT shack at, you know, on, on the aircraft carrier that I was stationed at, reading the fifth quarter and being like, wow, there was actually a platform out there for folks that went to HBCs like that. Uh, who would have known? And you know, that's what prompted me to reach out to, you know, Dr. Walker there and you know, the rest in terms of my involvement with the fifth quarter was, you know, history from there. And thank you again, Dr. Walker, for having a platform like that. You and Mike Lee, even though he's, you know, a bulldog and I can't, you know, rock with bulldogs like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, those two have really, um, those two have really, I mean, it, to say that that it was monumental in terms of the development of the craft and our subculture is, is not an understatement. And I think the difference between then and now is light years in terms of um, just in terms of the, you know, the personal nature of what we had on those forums and what developed. Um, if I could, you know, just kind of make a comparison, it would be like me walking out into my neighborhood and knowing everybody in the neighborhood, okay, as opposed to catching a bus and then going across town to another neighborhood where I don't know anybody. That's kind of how, you know, the fifth quarter started. Now, you know, with, with technology, you know, really accelerating how that neighborhood has grown, and that neighborhood is now a city. You know, that city is now a county or a state. That's kind of how, you know, I view the growth of how technology has impacted the craft. Because, you know, you put something out on, on Twitter or on Facebook or or Snapchat or Instagram, you're not just looking at your own neighborhood. The entire city or the entire state is looking at it. Or the entire country is looking at it. And there's a level of intimacy there that's lost. It just is. 
Um, on the flip side of that, um, I mean, besides the really all the funny and all the humorous stuff that went on on those forums, you know, there are so many people that got ideas from there. I mean, I wouldn't have. I really got my start writing, you know, on the fifth quarter. Same with Carrie. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Carrie. You know, I mean, those of you that are in the audience um, that um, aren't familiar, you know, both of us write. You know, both of us write about a very a lot of topics. Um, you know, I write on HBCU specific topics in basketball, in addition to technology. And you know, my start came writing right on those forums and inheriting a column um, called "View from the Sidelines," which eventually became you know you know a blog that I was gifted. Yeah, and that's the that's the proper word, gifted, <laughs> because yeah. You know, because no, but you know, I, after people, um, you know, I kind of took it and ran with it, and I appreciate the opportunity of doing so. Um, but I think it's those types of opportunities that you know the fifth just generated automatically. You know, just from the interactions that people had with each other, and you simply don't have that now. Like, you know. I mean, just so many memories between. I mean, we just had you know rivalries between message boards. You know, I can remember the MEX swag rivalries we would have between the fifth quarter and and swag page and and all sorts of other things. That, stop you there. Let me stop you there. Uh oh. The fifth quarter didn't have no rivalry with the swag page. Okay, let me stop you there. The fifth quarter uh -oh. was for everybody. Uh oh, we we about to. <laughs> was for everybody. Okay, I wish y'all could see me the way that I, that I'm looking now. It was for everybody. It was the swag folks that started the foolishness that wanted to be all divisive. Okay, hey. carry on. <laughs> see, see, Herb had to go and start stuff. But uh, actually, actually, I think I'll go ahead and uh, we can go go ahead and wrap up here since it is like ten something here and folks got to go to bed and and everything. So, but um, I will say uh, this has been a very uh, interesting discussion and I hope to absolutely continue it in a part two sometime in the future and we can have um, uh, some of our other folks that missed it that can come mm -hmm. on and, and kind of give their give their uh, perspective as well um, I, I kind of uh, I, I was kind of uh, hoping they would be on because uh, one of them or actually two of them are band directors at uh, the Tennessee State University aristocratic band. So, <laughs> so uh, it's kind of a personal thing for me. I was kind of hoping I could I could chat with them, but no, it's it's it's, it's all cool. But uh, I thank you all all for being here, uh, for giving your your thoughts. Um, it was, it was desperately needed. Um, and before we go, I kind of you know I want I want to give you all a chance to kind of shout out you know however people can reach you, do you if you want them to reach you. What what's the Twitter handle? All that kind of stuff. Uh, if you got a a little business you want to plug, go ahead and do that. I don't care. So we'll start with uh, Dr. Walker. Okay. Well, um, you can find me on Twitter at Christy5Q. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, the number five, the letter Q. You can find me on Instagram um, at the same handle. I am on Facebook. Um, I do have a business. I'll go ahead and plug since I'm here. Um, Thrive Well Careers. So um, in case you all didn't know, well, most people don't know until I tell them. So I have, I'm a, a career counselor, 
academic advisor, student affairs professional. So I have a career consulting business where I can help um, you with your resumes, your cover letters. Um, if you are a career switcher and you need to talk with somebody about that and discuss some things, um, LinkedIn profiles. So if you go to thrivewellcareers.com, that's T-H-R-I-V-E-W-E-L-L careers, C-A-R-E-E-R-S.com, and you'll be able to find um, my contact information there if you are interested. All right, all right. Uh, Mr. Gilliard, how about, your, how about yourself? Okay, well, uh, Duval High School Instrumental Music, that's D-H-S-I-M.com. Um, catch me on Twitter. I barely use my Instagram page, but catch me on Twitter. Um, Mr. Gilliard Music, that's M-R-G-I-L-L-I-A-R-D, music, music all one word, uh, that's on Twitter. Um, ah, Seventh Letter Music. Um, I was about to say, I know, I, know, yes. I know you got that. <laughs> I'm about to say, yes, I do have Seventh Letter Music. Seventh Letter Music is also on Twitter. That's 7 th letter music um you can also catch uh you can also find all of my arrangements uh and compositions at seventhlettermusic.com um in the process of doing some stuff for band and for orchestra right now uh recently uh what was it last week last weekend um here in maryland carroll county middle school honor band played one of my compositions as part of their program so got more stuff coming in the pike right now and yeah. 2019, I mean, 2020, good grief, I'm in the wrong year. 2020 is going to be a very busy year because I'm in the process of writing more music even right now. So, yay. <laughs> All right, looking forward to uh, hearing some more arrangements. I actually heard the, uh, your march uh, was, uh, what's the name of it? Circus? Circus. Yeah, Circus Festival March. Yeah, Circus Festival March. I actually heard it. Um, so I think someone posted a video of their band playing it, so that was that was pretty cool. Um yeah, if you're in need of, a, of arrangements and stuff like that, please, please hit him, hit him up. Uh, I can personally vouch for him. Uh, all right, I guess that's it. Sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding, Herb. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> any, uh, any, any last uh, thoughts before we close out? Well, first, I would like to extend a very hearty thank you to our two guests. Um, for taking the time out of their busy schedules for to come and bless us with their presence on our podcast. Um, those, those of you guys out there that have been listening to us, um, like I said, all of us are pretty, are pretty good friends um, outside of the podcast, uh, podcast world and, and the technology world. So the fact that we, you know, it, that we were able to get those guys, you know, on the show was a plus for us. Um, we all are, you know, we all also have our own side hustles. Um, I mean, we don't all work for the feds, uh, or contract for the feds. <laughs> so it's, a. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's always cool to be able to have these guys, be able to have the opportunity to have people that you really respect and, um, can really kick it with on. So thank you again. Um, for everybody else that's been supporting us, you know, through, through this run on the podcast, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, uh, Dave, you know, Dominique, you know, for our podcast core members that aren't here right now, Dominique and um, Roberto and Tiff, uh, we put in a lot of work 
um, thinking about topics. And even though sometimes we, you know, we sound like we have a blast, you know, it, carving out time to actually do this podcast, you know, it gets challenging sometimes. And the fact that we get the feedback that we do from the collective and from other places makes it all worthwhile. So thank you guys very much. Your continued support is why we love doing podcasts. So thank you. All right. So speaking of supporting the podcast, all right, you got like a whole bunch of stuff you can do. First, Facebook.com slash the Black Techies. No, the Black Techies podcast. I actually changed it recently. So Facebook.com slash the Black Techies podcast. You can join our Facebook group called the Black Techies Collective. And there we'll, you can, we'll actually continue this discussion on there once I post it. And uh, you can also interact with the rest of us, talk about uh, technology, gaming, geeky stuff, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at the black techie so all of that but the one thing i need i need you you to do all right so if you're listening to this I'm, I'm talking to you if you're listening yes you stop right now go to your browser google the black techies podcast go to itunes and leave a review do that please like right now like pause it go write a review and then come back and play the podcast all right thank you so yeah 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 real, yeah, real quick that you know that me that doesn't mean the guy that we find on google analytics that you know resides in australia that pops up in our analytics every now and again um we know you listen to the podcast we appreciate it <laughs> so um yeah we're talking about the new people that listen to the podcast you know not the not the you know the random the random blips that we get from across the world from, from seo so but yeah uh, what dave said everybody you know just pass the word word mouth you know whatever you can do you know the more listeners the more the better you know we're working on getting being uh, more consistent with content and everything else so um your continued support is appreciated yeah i mean we, we, we're actually i mean i'm looking at the analytics now i mean obviously most of our uh listener base is based in the united states but we got a few people from the UK listening. We got someone from people from Spain, Canada, Sweden, Saudi Arabia, Romania. That's interesting. No, Kenya, it's, it's Australia. Sa- it's Saudis, man. I don't know. Saudis. <laughs> Stop out. Uh, look, I, you know, I just look. If you're if if you're from Saudi Arabia and you're listening to to this, I appreciate you. Yeah, no shame. No right. Shame. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you know, our government does. I'm not a part of that, so I'm just gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I'm uh, just a, I'm just a con- I'm just a contractor, dude. I'm sorry. You know, look, I just do I I just do boring IT stuff. Don't look. Yeah, if your if your printer is broke, that's what I do. Don't don't even like. So all right, but uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, we, we we really do appreciate everyone. And so uh, as we uh oh wait, I almost forgot. Since Dominique's not here, uh, so I want everyone to go out, have a have a good week, have a good weekend. We got a three day weekend for most of us, hopefully. But uh, just know that by the time you hear this again. Mr. Orange Tangerine <laughs> might not be our president anymore. So, yeah, I don't think. Well, you, you did a good job replacing Donald. That was actually that's I can't, that's I can't do, there. I can't do as good as the original though. So, so Dominique, if you if you're listening to this, I tried, man, I tried. But uh, <laughs> but uh, all right, but uh, 
uh, until next time i will see you all later and i will give a hearty hail wakanda yeah yeah i gotta say it back yeah i gotta say it back oh hail wakanda there we go all right all right all right (laughs) i was gonna say wakanda forever that that is also a valid salutation okay see there you go carrie you be extra bruh (laughs) wakanda forever there you go